The term grounded, for some of you wild childs, the term grounded may evoke memories of being restricted to your room. That's not the term that I'm speaking about tonight. I'd like to discuss the significance of ground in our life. I don't want to. I don't want to bring up all these memories of being <clears throat> obstructed in your opportunity or limited in your liberties. That's not what I'm talking about. Grounded, but but grounding. You know, anybody been grounded when you were a kid? Meant that you were kind of stuck at home on the home turf. That, that kind of has a negative connotation. Just on the beginning of the lesson, I'd like to kind of erase that. And there's some positive things about being grounded. I want to talk about some ground that God moves us into that sometimes we have a, a bad habit of wishing some of the places that God brings us into away before the time that God appoints in our life to accomplish something marvelous. How many know that God wants to work in your life tonight? Just on the onset of this message, I wonder if you would pray together with me that God would speak into our spirit and that God would lead us in this moment. Would you pray that prayer together with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together with your people tonight. And God, you are, God, walking us through different territories, many of us in different, God, different areas and locales in the spirit that you've called us to, that you've pulled us to, that you've directed us to, God, that, that we may have got <clears throat> just kind of sidetracked into. It may be a detour on our plan, but it's an on track with your plan tonight. I pray that someone would realize and recognize what the spirit is doing in their life. I thank you, Father, for a rock that we can stand on, firm ground that we can be attached to. I thank you, Jesus, that you're in order. If we allowed you to, to be the king of our lives, you're on the throne. God, you haven't turned it over to anybody else. I thank you for that. We're your people, the sheep of your pasture, and we ask that you would lead us. In your name we pray. And someone said, amen. I can't imagine what it would be like sitting in an earthquake. I have anybody here ever been in a major earthquake before? I mean, where the walls were shaking and things around you were quaking. And I, I've never been in that experience. I, that one thing I love about New Brunswick, I, I looked up this afternoon on <clears throat> the geographic, I don't know what the site is, let's just, the earthquake site <laughs> for New Brunswick. And it's just like a few earthquakes here and there, five kilometers down in the earth's surface and minor tremors. I know that earth, uh, earthquakes, they've kind of been rumbling and tumbling out in McAdam. That's, that's where Kathy's from. I, I don't know if there's a significance or a correlation there. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what it would like. The thing with me that, that is shocking when I try and imagine what it would be like seeing pictures or video clips of earthquakes happening, that the idea that the very earth beneath your feet begins to move scares me. It should, I mean, it should, right? But it, that just, that, that goes beyond logic because, because the ground, the idea of the ground beneath our feet moving, that dislodges our logic. It rattles my mental cage a little bit. Ground, it's the safety element in electrical currents, thank God. It's the ground, it's the basis of our construction and foundations. Ground, it's the location that we are connected to, where we're raised, where we will raise our families. It's where we connect to community. It's our place with white picket fences that we've created. It's our ground, it's ground, it, it ground, it's, it's the soil that produces our potato, potatoes and cre creates our corn, it yields the fruit 
it's, it's the ground. But ground isn't just this soil that we rub between our fingers. It's significant in Scripture. There is locations that God calls us to. There is ground in every believer's life that God wants you to possess. Ground. I'm talking about ground tonight. It was God that said to Abraham, the father of faith, he said, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And wouldn't it have been good if God had just stopped there? But God didn't stop there. He said, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then thy seed shall also be numbered. But he, he commanded him, he said, Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. There was something significant about Abraham willing to move into the promise that God had prepared for him. And it's no different. The reason he is a father of the faith in the natural is because in the supernatural, there is ground that God places before us. And he says, it's yours, but you've got to be willing to walk into it. And not just stick your foot into it. You've got to be willing to walk into it in the length of it. And then when you've experienced the length of it, check out the breadth of it. You've got to go the full gamut, east to the west. North to the south. You've got to be willing to walk into that possession that God has prepared for you. There's something about walking by faith into that ground that God has for us. I'm telling us tonight that God has ground for us to conquer and to move into if we're willing to follow after the Spirit. Anybody just hear a little bit of the Spirit calling us tonight? I, I, I don't think that God's just calling a static people. He's calling someone that's willing to walk into the place that he's called them to go. He's asking us to get up, get out, and go after what he's prepared for us. I, I'm in danger of just getting a little bit fired up in the beginning tonight. To go into the land that God has prepared for us. There's ground to be covered, but there's ground to be possessed. Through Moses, he spoke to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 11 verse 24. He said, every place whereon the soles of your foot shall tread shall be yours. But you have a responsibility, Israel. You can't just sit here. You've got to go there. You can't just stay in this locale. You've got to move into that place that I've called you to go into where, your, where the sole of your foot treads. That is the place that can become yours, but it won't until you're willing to get up and go into that place. I, I'm wondering, is there anybody in the room that just feels a little compulsion in the Holy Ghost that it's time to go to another level? There's time. It's time to take it to the next step. We're, we're moving into a new location. We're going to new levels by faith. There's ground to cover. There's ground to conquer. There's a place that God has called us into. I'm ready to be grounded in the place that God wants us to go. He said, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea, shall your coast be. But you can't obtain it if you stay where you're at. You can't obtain it if you're just sitting idle and sitting still. You've got to step out into the place that God has called you to. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night. God is calling somebody. I'm ready to move out. I'm ready to move in. Hallelujah. Ground is still significant. Let's consider the Temple Mount in Israel. It's the location of the first temple built by King Solomon in 957 B.C. Destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. The second temple was constructed under Zerubbabel in 516 B.C. and then destroyed by the Roman Empire in 70 A.D. Scripture maintains and 
gives us instruction that that wasn't the last temple that would be built. But there will be another temple. A third temple will be built. And, and that portion of ground where everybody believes that that temple is going to be built is a site that's much contested. It's a holiest site in Judaism. It's the place that Jews turn towards during prayer. It's extremely set apart. It's sanctioned. It's a place that they've separated from every other place in the world. As a matter of fact, many Jews will not walk on the mount itself to avoid unintentionally entering the area where the Holy of Holies once stood and where they believe it will stand again. It's a powerful place, but it, the reason it's powerful is because of its location, its ground that was it was contended for. It's the subject of controversy. It's the subject of contest. It's valued and it's revered. And, and here's something I would like to say to everybody in the world. It's worth fighting for. That ground is worth fighting for. The ground that God called Abraham into included well-watered plains of Jordan, but it also included rocky climbs up Mount Moriah's with a commission to sacrifice. God was the ground of all of the ground that, that he called Abraham into. Abraham's ground was the well-watered place. It was the ground of wilderness wandering. It was the ground that was dry desert at times, but it was the ground that was fertile soil. It was the ground with mountains high, and it was the ground with valleys low. But here's what I know. God said, Abraham, you can't possess it unless you're willing to go into it. And the reason that there is a temple mount today is because Abraham was willing to walk into that place that God had called him to. And I'm telling us, I'm reminding us, I'm encouraging us tonight that there are places that God is calling us into that we'll never receive if we stay here. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm just encouraging us not to, not to get comfortable. The truth is, no matter where we find ourselves in every season of life, God will have ground that he wants you to take. God, ground that he wants you to walk into. Ground that he wants you to claim as your own. I, I'd like to take a minute and just talk to you about holy ground. Does anybody know anything about holy ground in scripture? Let's talk about holy ground for a minute. It was Moses in Exodus chapter 3 that found himself in a difficult season. He'd done the right thing, but he did it the wrong way. It was a time of confusion in Moses' life and a time of confession. Let's remind ourselves, let's step back for a moment in Scripture. Hebrews 11 states, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. But then he found himself in the desert, wandering and waiting and wondering what in the world God God was going to do with him. I'm talking about wilderness experiences that we have in our lives, but don't wish the wilderness experience away because it's in the wilderness experience where we have holy ground experiences. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. 
And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Moses really didn't still understand the ground that he was on. He, he, he knew where he was. He knew he was on the desert. He knew he was in the backside of the desert. As a matter of fact, Moses is the author in Exodus, and he says he came unto that mountain. He knew where he was. He was even to Horeb. He was in the location. He had, he had the right placement. He, he could pick it out of the map. He had the GPS coordinates already figured out, but he still really didn't know where he was. With his natural self, he understood the location he was at. He, he could point, pinpoint it on a map. And, and many of us, that's where we are in life right now. We know where we are. We know our address. We figure out tonight we can all tell ourselves 71 Downing Street, Marysville, Fredericton, New Brunswick. We know where we're at. But do we really know where we are? Because this could be ground more than what we think it is. It may be that God has brought us to this very moment, in this very place, for this very reason. It's not just a, it's a season that God's brought you to. Not just the Christmas season, but a season of decision. It's a season where you're going to make some, your mind up and it's going to create a path in the midst of your future. It's about creating opportunity for your eternity. That God has called you into this place tonight. Do you really know where you are, Moses? Here am I. He called, here am I. But he really didn't understand where he was. Verse 5, he said, draw not nigh hither. He said, Moses, you know where you are, but you don't understand the ground that you're standing on. He said, put off the shoes from off your feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. He said, take your shoes off, Moses. He said, you're... you're I want you to, to get connected. I, I don't want you to forget. I don't want there to be any separation from you and the soil in this moment. I, I want you to understand the ground that you're standing on. It's not just ground that you've been in. I, I don't know if Moses, the prince of Egypt, took his sandals off when he walked into the palace or not. But here's what I know. When he came into the presence of God, God said, Moses, you better take your shoes off because this is unlike any territory you've ever been in before. This is unlike any place you've ever had, you've ever experienced, you've never been here before. I, I know you may have wandered by this place with the flocks. You may have walked the sheep through this location and it's never been the place that you're at now. This isn't just a normal location. This Moses is holy ground. You're not going to find it on a map. You're not going to find it indicated in a location. This is a place that I've called you to. You wonder why you've been through everything that you've been through. I'll tell you. Because it's brought you to this location. It's brought you to this place. It's brought you to holy crown. You, you're wondering tonight why has God made me walk the path that I've walked? Why have I experienced the experiences that I have? I'll tell you why. Because God had to get you through those places so you could find yourself on holy ground. God had to get you into this location before you could take your shoes off and find yourself in the presence of an almighty God with a purpose bigger than you could imagine. God's call is in this room and it's on your life. This is more than a sanctuary. It's more than a church. It's holy ground tonight. God ground us in this place. God's waiting for someone to turn aside 
God's waiting for someone to see it more than just an illustration in a midweek lesson tonight. God's waiting for someone to connect the dots. This isn't just another lesson. This isn't just another 45 minutes on a Wednesday night. This is a call into my life. This is a call. This This is a light in the midst of my darkness. This is a voice speaking to me that I've never heard before. God, you're calling me. Here am I. But do you realize where you are? I don't want to sit past the moment until somebody connects the dots I'm on holy ground tonight I'm not just in another territory I'm not just walking in another journey I've come into the presence of God and he's here tonight I'm on holy ground I wonder if you just lift your hands for a moment because the Holy Ghost is reaching in this room tonight Come on, the Holy Ghost is reaching. Turn aside from daily distractions. Turn aside from normal routine. Turn aside from Wednesday night routine. Turn aside from your desert dilemma. Turn aside from all the things that have distracted you in life. Turn aside from your bad decisions. Turn aside from your failures and falling. Turn aside because my call is on your life tonight. Ha <laughs> ha. Turn aside. He said when Moses turned aside, God was waiting. The bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. It was an unusual sight, to say the least. But he still needed Moses' full attention. Moses, I'm looking for more than just a nod, a head nod. I'm looking for more than just a minor interest. I'm looking for more than just a a, a sidelong glance. I'm looking for more than just a minor distraction from your daily activity. Moses, I need for you to turn aside. I'm creating apostolic opportunity for you, Moses. The bush isn't burning. It's supernatural. It's it's not being consumed. I need you to turn aside. I'm doing my part. It's the miraculous that's on display. But you've got to turn aside. You can continue on if you want to just lead sheep forever. But if you'll turn aside, I'll let you lead a nation out of bondage into promise. Moses, if you'll just turn aside, I've got plans for your life. I've got a future for you if you're willing to turn aside. Turn aside from wilderness wandering. Turn aside because the ground that you're on isn't just something to create a dust cloud in your path. It's holy ground. This isn't just a desert detour without a destination. This place is solitude and purposelessness. This juxtaposed position is more important than the palace. The barren bushland is better than the treasures in Egypt. This is holy ground. This is a place of separation and commission. This is a place of sanctification and provision. I'm talking about when the bush burns and it's not consumed. It's a place of holy ground. I'm talking about a place where God's voice speaks if you're willing to hear it. It's more than just a Wednesday night lesson. It's a message from God if someone is willing to hear his voice. You may not have taken your shoes off when you came in the room, but I'd like to remind everybody That this is more than just concrete and carpet. It's holy ground tonight.
Moses, your rod that shepherded sheep is going to help you lead that nation. You'll never forget this moment, Moses, if you're willing to turn aside. This is your meeting with the I am that I am. This holy ground is going to bring my people into the promised land. It's holy ground. God wants to ground somebody in this moment. What you've called wilderness experience is really an opportunity to hear the voice of God, to kick your sandals off, feel the soil between your toes, and say this moment is holy ground. Who I feel the Holy Ghost right now. That'd be all right if we just let the Holy Ghost talk for a moment. That call is in this room. We can give ourselves a hard time, and that's not what I've come to do tonight. We can give ourselves a hard time because it's normal in our natural selves to be sidetracked by the simplicity. We lull ourselves to sleep in our complacencies, and we tell ourselves or ask ourselves what could ever happen in this wilderness wandering. But I've just come to remind someone that holy ground Wilderness wandering turns into anointing and commissioning. And promised land promises come in moments just like these if we are willing to turn aside. See the bush that isn't burned and hear the voice of the I am that I am. Speaking into our lives and calling us to new levels. New places. And holy ground opens the door to promised land experiences. I don't want to be guilty like Jacob who woke out of his sleep, started at 7 o'clock sharp and ended at 8 o'clock dull tonight. I don't want to wake at 8 and say, surely the Lord was in this place, but I knew it not. I don't want to be an Emmaus Road disciple. Jesus walked with them, he talked with them, he ate with them and then vanished from them. And then they said, didn't our heart burn within us? Why do we wait until after the moment to recognize the miraculous that's happening in our midst? Why do we do that? Why does that happen? Why, why do we say, I almost ran. I almost rejoiced. I almost danced. I almost amen the preacher tonight.
want to be guilty of sin. I almost preached my heart out. I don't want to be guilty of going through the moment. I don't want to be guilty of just going through a season or doing my job. I don't want to do that. I, 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 want, I want God to impart passion in our lives. And for everything to become more about than the temporal and the here and now until we're so focused on the there and then that we'll do whatever it takes to accomplish what God has called us to do. Whatever it takes to move from this moment into that promise that God is calling us to that we'll be willing to pay that price. Holy ground creates uncommon experiences. Holy ground calls us beyond normal, beyond routine. Holy ground calls us to places of commitment and levels of responsibility that we've never experienced before. That's what happens in holy ground experiences. I, I'm wondering, does anybody recognize that we're on holy ground tonight? Holy ground. It's one of the grounds that God needs us grounded to. Someone say holy ground. Someone say battleground. Second Samuel gives, it, gives us a list of the great warriors in David's army. I, I'm moving on from holy ground, but I wish someone would just let that settle in your spirit for a moment. Second Samuel gives us a list of the, the great warriors in David's army. In the midst of them, you'll find a man by the name of Shammah. You've heard the statement, it ain't worth a hill of beans. With Shammah, it was. As a matter of fact, everything was worth his hill of beans. 2 Samuel 23, verse 11, one of the reasons he was counted as the, one of the greats was because the Philistines were gathered together into a troop and there was a piece of ground, the Bible says, full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Sometimes you've got to be willing to stand your ground. Which hill are you willing to die on? It can be frustrating to see the pacifistic nature of Canadians. I looked up pacifistic because I had to. It says, holding the belief that war and violence are not justified actions to a situation. That's just about our response to everything. You know, it ain't worth fighting about. As a matter of fact, it was ever, if there was ever proof of that there is an evolution, it's because our children don't have shoulders growing out of their ears. What are you going to do? How often have we said that to one another? Well, what are you going to do? Isn't it a wonder that our kids don't have shoulders growing out of their ears? We shrug our shoulders, you know, what, what, what are we going to do? And we learn how to play dead quicker than a pound puppy. Uh, I just need someone to, to get this in their spirit tonight. There are some things that are worth fighting for. A hell of beans is worth fighting for. As a matter of fact, a handful of beans is worth fighting for. If it's eternal beans we're talking about. Someone just look at your neighbor and say, my field is worth fighting for. It's battleground. It's battleground. My, my family is worth fighting for. My future, my eternity is worth fighting for. The field is worth fighting for. Would someone just shout amen to that? 
you know, the enemy comes in and sometimes he sets up camp like the Philistines did. And, and we, we, we back up. We just naturally back into the corner. And I, I wish that someone would just get a little bit of something in their spirit tonight and say, it's time. I'm coming out. It's mine. It's mine to fight for. It's mine to possess. That ground is battleground. If it means I've got to fight in the supernatural, I'm going to fight in the supernatural. It's not his to have. The enemy is not entitled to my field. I'll tell you, if God will let his spirit rise up in somebody, what you've always backed up about, it's about time to take a stand for. It's time to say the field is mine. It's my family. It's worth fighting for. It's my son. It's worth fighting for. It's my daughter. She's worth fighting for. It's my parents. They're worth fighting for. It's my brother. He's worth fighting for. It's my sister. She's worth fighting for. That field is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. No wonder Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul's not trying to scare us. He's trying to make us aware. Paul's just trying to raise our level of understanding. This is what you're fighting. It doesn't mean that we've got to run away. It doesn't mean that we've got to be scared to death. Here's what he, he just said. Get, get ready. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave any part out. Put it all on. You're going to need the whole armor to fight the whole fight. You know it. Many of you do. I'll read it in case somebody doesn't. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. For all saints, put on the whole armor of God. And so often we look at that and we say, well, in the time of battle, it just says that all we have to do is stand. That's not what it said. It says withstand. We withstand before we stand. That means that we're engaged in what's happening around us. It means that we're aware that the, the enemy is going to have fiery darts coming. It means that we understand that this is a battle that we're in. We're not just. Now, I know sometimes God does that. We stand and stand still and see the salvation of God, Jehoshaphat. We saw it in the Old Testament. But there are times when God says you've got to be able to withstand. It means that you're engaged in the battle. You're a part of what's happening in your life. You're not just idly observing what's happening around you. You're engaged in what's going on in your life. You're withstanding. You're pushing back. You're pressing in. You're, re you're retaliating. You're punching. You're pushing. You're, you're swinging the sword of the Spirit. You're at work. You're engaged in the fight that God has called you into. We've got to withstand before we stand. Withstand the attack. Withstand the assault. Withstand friendly fire sometimes. People that, I, that don't understand or people that mistakenly accuse you. You know, false accusation is part of what Jesus said was going to happen. So get ready for it. It doesn't mean that, that it's true. It just means that sometimes you're going to be falsely accused. So when it happens, don't try and crucify the person that's got it wrong. And before you condemn somebody, you better get your facts straight. Well, that just... 
What don't I know about tonight? Withstand mistakes. Withstand danger from within and without. Withstand it. But whatever you do, fight for it. It's still worth fighting for. It's worth standing up on the battleground. It's worth fighting the good fight of faith. It's worth pressing in because these are eternal issues we're talking about. So somebody get grounded in the battle. It's battleground time. It's worth fighting for. Someone... Pass me a breastplate of righteousness. Somebody pass me uh, <laughs> that, that breastplate of righteousness because it's an unrighteous world. The Bible says as it was in the days of Noah that we're going to have experiences like that. We're going to have seasons in this life like that. But I tell you what, in an unrighteous world, God found a righteous Noah. So someone, get grounded in the battleground. Get ready to stand up and fight because God needs you to fight. God needs you in the battle. God needs you engaged. God's looking for a Noah in the midst of unjust times to be a just man, a just woman. Somebody willing to stand up for righteousness in the midst of unrighteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Somebody pass me the truth. I need it to withstand. Somebody pass me the gospel of peace. I need it on my feet. Someone pass me the shield of faith. I need it to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Somebody pass me the helmet of salvation. It's not a might so salvation. It's not a maybe so salvation. It's not a think so salvation. It's a no so salvation. Alan Porter, it's a no so salvation. I'll preach it for Brother Fudge like he did in the jail to you. It's a no so salvation. We don't have to worry about it or wonder about it. At the end of the day, we don't have to go to sleep thinking, am I saved or am I not saved? We can know that we are saved because we've been redeemed. We've been purchased by the blood. We've, been, we've repented in an altar of repentance. We've been baptized in his name in a watery grave of baptism. We've been filled with his spirit. It's not a, I wonder if. It's a no-so salvation. I got the Holy Ghost and I know that I did because when it happened, I spoke in other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. It's a no-so salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation and march into battle. Woo. I know that I know that I'm saved. It's the sword of the Spirit in filling. It's the word of God deep in our, in our soul. And don't forget that Paul tailed it off and he said, praying always. Praying in the car. I don't care if they call me crazy. I don't care if they think I'm talking to myself. It doesn't matter now anyway. We have cell phones. People just think you're carrying on a conversation with somebody. I got the joy. What's the song, Pastor Mike? I could ask David. I asked him Sunday night. Thank you for everybody that was a part of home groups on Sunday night. Give yourselves all a hand. Mike and Kathy were at the Biggers. Kathy and Mike and Kathy Hennessy were at the Biggers, and I was there with my Kathy, Lehman. I asked David. I said, David, what's your favorite song? He said, Joy. So Pastor Mike wasn't telling tales out of school. He was telling the truth. Joy, but you got to have joy in your heart. You have joy in your life. Pray always without ceasing. Let it out. I think too often we don't engage in the battle because we're not prepared for it. We're not willing to fight for our field because we don't have on the whole 
armor of God. If you don't take any other notes tonight, jot this thought down. Partial armor yields complete defeat. Put on the whole armor of God. Paul didn't say pick your battles. Paul didn't say figure out what you're going to be fighting and wear that. Paul said make sure you put on the whole armor of God. The enemy's been around too long for us to fool him and fumble our way into victory. He'll find the weakness and build a Trojan horse to take you down. That's just how he works. He's that ruthless, he's that cruel, and he's that mean. But if you have on the whole armor of God, God's got you covered. And victory will be yours. If you have the whole armor of God on, then all God needs is a shama to stand up and say, enough! The field is worth fighting for. Someone, you got to look the devil square in the eyes and say, I got bad news. I'm not backing up one mile. I'm not backing up one meter. As a matter of fact, I'm not backing up one millimeter. You know, if you go back to Shema, you find that the word, the Hebrew word, defines him as a mountaineer. You don't get the title, title mountaineer by accident. You don't just happen to climb a mountain. You don't just find yourself peering out over the peak and say, oh, look at that. Amazing. I didn't even realize that I was on the ascent. Nobody climbs a mountain accidentally. I'm going to guess that this wasn't Shammah's first battle. Shammah's first battle was with himself. Stay in the valley if you want, but the mountain's calling me. I'm going up the mountain. Stay where you are. I, I, that's Shammah's mentality. You, you, we, we can sit here if you want to, but, but I tell you what, that, that mountain, there's something about that mountain that's calling my name. I'm going to climb the mountain. And so before Shammah ever met the Philistine, he had walked a few paces. He had climbed a few hills. He had gotten some strength that maybe some other people didn't have. The, the Philistines may not have got that title mountaineer, but Shammah had it. He had encountered some, tra some, some, some challenge in his life. He had climbed a few hills that weren't easy and by the time he came back down there was something in Shammah that wasn't in the Philistines. They may not have recognized it when they engaged him in battle but the time, by the time that they were finished and by the time that the battle was complete, they were on the defense and Shammah was on the offense and victory was his because he was a mountaineer. He had already been up the mountain and he was on his way back down when he engaged the enemy. Somebody tonight, I'm challenging you keep climbing the mountain because God's got victory in store for you. Don't stop here. Come on, don't stop part way. Don't quit before you reach the peak. Don't just happen to stop before it's completed. God's calling us to go to high ground someone shout battleground it's battleground I know November 11th is finished but as we're preparing to close tonight it's the poem in Flanders Fields it gets me every single year I read it I get tingles I feel challenged because my generation doesn't know much about fighting And so I need to receive the challenge, whether it's from the pen of a poet who sat in a place that I've never had to sit, 
If that's the best that I can do, then that's what I need to do. Let me rehearse it for you so we can just get all, all get on the same page. It, it says, in Flanders' fields, the poppies grow, blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amidst the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. This is the part that challenges me. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you with failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' field. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. We don't have the right not to fight. When you think about borders that have been established and ground that has been won, it's because of a battle that was fought. We don't have the right not to fight. Someone say battleground. It's for every one of us. Our city is a battleground. Our schoolyards are battlegrounds. I'm not inciting violence. I'm not a hater. I'm talking about spiritual realms. I'm talking about fights that we need to fight on our knees in prayer. Covering that needs to happen. Uh, it's a battleground. And, and if we're going to be an apostolic lighthouse in end times, then God needs us on the battlefield. I got this choir singing in my head. We used to always listen to, I don't know if I can, my dad really wasn't a fan of contemporary Christian music when I was a kid. But gospel choirs was okay. I'm not making a statement. <laughs> I love my dad. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I told this story or not before. We're coming in for a landing. I, I remember the, the Imperials had an LP, vinyl. And it was, uh, I think Ross Taff was on that album, Sail On. Sail on when the water gets high, sail on. When the wind starts to die, sail on. It's just a matter of men. Yeah, that was contemporary. <laughs> Till the ship comes to get us and we all get in it. Well, that album created a bit of controversy in the Lehman household. <laughs> I remember Dad sitting down with Cheyenne and I, <clears throat> my raging liberal sister. No, she... <laughs> so she, Dad was there. He said... Like, what do you think that we should do with this album? <laughs> so I was compliant. I th Dad, I think we need to get rid of it. 
Cheyenne was like, Dad, we need to keep it. <laughs> Broke that album, went back to the Statler Brothers or whatever it was. I can't remember. But, but, <laughs> but gospel music was all right. So what song was it that was sticking in my head? Yeah, choir music. I am on the battlefield fighting for my Lord. For I promised him that I would serve him till I die. I am on the battlefield. That's what I had to bebop to. <clears throat> but we're on the battlefield. And we're fighting the good fight of faith. And I felt just that challenge in the room tonight. It's anybody feel that challenge together with me? I wonder if you stand together. The lesson's done, but I do feel like God has challenged us tonight. Would someone just lift your voice and ask God to let this message be more than... 45 minutes long tonight. I, I wonder if God would leave it with us as we leave the room. Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for opening our eyes to something greater than we are and greater than ourselves. Father, I thank you for that courage that you're placing in someone's spirit right now that they don't have, God, they don't have to back up. They don't have to give up. But God, they can march into the battlefield and fight. And God, you will give them the victory. Their family's worth it. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Would someone just begin to pray in the spirit for a moment? I wish someone would begin to claim territory. Someone begin to claim location. Someone begin to claim your address at home, your family, your home. Someone begin to claim our city, someone begin to claim our province, someone begin to claim Oromukdo, that God would bring great revival. I pray, Father, I pray over every endeavor that you have us involved in as a church. Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would allow us to fight that good fight. I pray everybody would take on the whole armor of God, that they would put it all on. God, not leaving any out. I pray that prayer would become a part of our daily routine, not just a moment of days. But God, I, I pray that it would become routine in our day. God, when we're walking, when we're talking, God, when we're driving, when we're, God, when we're just going through our routine, I pray that we would, God, hear your voice to turn aside and that we would find ourselves on holy ground. God, let that summon be in this room tonight. Let that courage be in your people, we pray. Would you just reach out and take your neighbor's shoulder for a moment and pray with them? Pray that God would anoint them. Pray that courage would come into their heart. God, I lift every heart, every life here tonight, someone watching online right now. God, I ask that you'd help us to fight. God, that we'd fight. <clears throat> God, that we'd fight for healing, that we'd fight for deliverance. God, that we'd, God, that we'd fight for family that's lost. And God, for prodigal sons and daughters, I pray, God, that we would fight. That God, I pray for communities that you've yet to call out of darkness into your marvelous light. I, God, I pray that your anointing would rest on individuals, that there be a Moses in the room tonight. 
God, that we'd hear your voice. I pray that there would be a burning bush experience. God, I, I ask that we'd do more than just hear a sermon, that we'd hear your voice. God, that we'd see more than just a, a sermon screen. God, on the backdrop tonight, I, I pray that we would see in the supernatural a burning bush that's not consumed. Let there be supernatural experiences be released in hearts and in lives tonight. God, that we leave different than the way that we came in. God, that we leave a separated people. God, that we would leave a commissioned people. That we would leave, God, with purpose in our hearts. That we're going to help reach a world that's lost. God, that we're going to help bring deliverance to the captive. I pray tonight we call on your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Would someone shout amen? Amen. Amen, amen to the word of the Lord.